Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. Before I get started with the episode today, I want to remind you about one of my sponsors, Faithful Counseling. If you have been a regular podcast listener, you know that throughout our grief journey, our family has been greatly helped by Christian counseling. But you don't have to be going through the loss of a child to benefit from counseling. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage, or you feel lost in parenting, or you are struggling with addiction or direction in life. Maybe you feel stuck or hopeless, or you're struggling in your faith. Whatever your situation may be, I 100% encourage you to try Christian counseling. Just give it a try. Yes, my counseling journey began after Jackson died, but I can't tell you the number of topics that I have since covered in my counseling sessions and the help that it has provided in my daily life. I'm not kidding when I say that I want to integrate counseling into my life for the rest of my life. (laughs) If you would like help getting matched with a professional licensed counselor who could help you, check out my link at faithfulcounseling.com slash fightingforjoy. You can find the details in my show notes below. If you use this link, you will get 10% off and start the process of getting paired with a therapist who will combine biblical wisdom and clinical expertise to help you address your unique situation. And because of their unique online platform, you will most likely be able to have your first session within the week. Be sure to ask about your insurance's coverage for these counseling sessions, as well as financial help that is available. As I've said many times, quality counseling is a worthy investment and a powerful tool in the fight for joy in the middle of this broken world. It has certainly helped me, and I want you to also find the same help and hope. Again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash fighting for joy. Okay, now on to the show. I have a real treat for you guys today. Not only do I have an amazing guest to introduce you to, but you also get to hear her sing, and that is a first for the podcast. And actually, this whole episode is just really full of special things. I think this may become one of your favorite episodes. My guest today is my friend, Anna Gallatin. Anna shares about how she found hope and fought for joy when her dreams and plans for her family totally fell apart. I think you'll be encouraged as you hear her story and hear about the ways that God has restored her joy. I saw it firsthand. I literally saw God transform her. You'll hear me share about this on the episode. And really, I'm continuing to see him redeem her situation and do some beautiful things in her and through her and in her home as she surrenders to his plans for her and her family. Okay, I said that you get to hear her sing. Anna recorded a really tender song during her darker days, and I am so happy that she was willing to share it with us as a part of this episode. So before we get to our conversation, I'm going to let you listen to her sing about a time when, as she says, she couldn't lift her face to see the light of day, but she was still trusting that God would be faithful to bring her through her storm and trusted that he was with her in the valley. As I said, I think you'll love this conversation. A lot of it is centered around home. And by that, I don't mean the house, but what we build and create within the walls. I love this topic because if you think about it, our earthly homes here on this side of heaven serve to point us to something greater, what is to come when we are finally and eternally home with the Lord. So when we have a beautiful home, we get a small glimpse into the beauty of what is to come. It points us to a greater beauty. And if we don't get to experience a beautiful home here in this broken world, which many people don't, 
that too can be used to point us to what is to come because that causes us to be so dissatisfied with what we have here and how broken it all feels that our anticipation grows for what Jesus calls paradise. I mean, he tells the thief on the cross as he is about to die that today he will be with Jesus in paradise. And so even people who love tropical islands and vacations more than being home are drawn to those because they are consciously or unconsciously longing for the perfect paradise to come. Remembering this brings us contentment, knowing that the world is not all there is. Something much, much greater is ahead for us as believers, and all kinds of beautiful earthly homes and vacations point us to that. And even the death of Anna's dream reminded her and pointed her to something greater. Okay, can you tell I am excited about this episode? (laughs) Oh, and one more thing. At the end of our conversation, keep listening because you'll get to hear Anna do something special on the tail end of the episode too. You'll hear her read a special liturgy from a rich book called Every Moment Holy called Death of a Dream. I mean, I told you this one is special.
Thank you so much for coming over today. I am so glad to be here, Jody. Good. Well, I'm super excited about this episode because there is so much that I want to talk to you about. I usually send my guests a little general outline of where I'm hoping the conversation will go. And I think I sent you like 11 bullet points, yes. <laughs> something like that. So although I doubt we will get to all of it, I am looking forward to this time with you. And a lot of times I already know my guest story and I have people on the podcast just because I want to share their story with others. But today, as I've mentioned to you already, I am excited to hear a lot of your story for the first time. And I have seen God at work from a little bit of a distance, mm -hmm. um, but I can't wait to hear what you share today. So let's start by just having you share a little bit about yourself and your family and just a little bit about your life. Okay. My name is Anna. And I have been married to Todd for 15 years. Um, we have four children, um, Lila, who is 13, Nora, 12, Silas, 11, and Eli, 8. And so we are very much in the midst of parenting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I am also a worship director at our church. Mm -hmm. And so that is new in the last couple of years. I'm running out to about two years of having done that. And that has been such a gift for us. Yeah, uh, you definitely are gifted at that and has been a big blessing for mm -hmm. our church and for our family, um, for sure. Well, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the podcast is because I feel like I have watched um, just a beautiful transformation take place in you. And I have been wanting to visit with you about it and just mm -hmm. to ask what happened <laughs> and just to have you come on and share knowing that you will you will give hope to others about what God does through hard things. So so let's dive in. You and I met, you know, a few years ago mm -hmm. now through a ministry called MOPS, yep. which is Mothers of Preschoolers. I was a mentor for that program, and you were one of the young moms. And during our years together at MOPS, you were in the middle of a really yeah. difficult situation. So why don't you just start by sharing a little bit about what was going on in your life during that time? Yeah, um, it's really hard to probably wrap it up into some small summary, um, but going back even to... Um, our time in Friend is where I had grown mm -hmm. up. We got mm -hmm. married. We moved back to Friend, um, lived in town. It was great. And at some point through all of that, um, Todd and I started feeling this really deep desire to get on an acreage. Mm -hmm. And so we felt like, I think we probably felt the pace of life speeding up. Mm -hmm. And we very much felt the desire to slow down and mm -hmm. to just take a step back. And so what that looked like to us was getting out of town, um, enjoying gardening and livestock, 
and mm-hmm. homeschooling our children. And um, so that very much became a dream of ours. We started a blog called Ditching the Joneses. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so we got our house put on the market and for years it wouldn't sell. Mm. And we were just sure that this was the direction that God had placed on our hearts to be. And Mm -hmm. so um, through a lot of process, doors kind of closed in Friend Mm -hmm. and we never pictured leaving Friend. And we ended up up here um, close to Fremont where Todd's family is from. Mm -hmm. Um, We found an acreage that we walked into and I have a little bit of a joy and a gains thing. Mm -hmm. And so I looked Mm -hmm. at it and I saw bones and I saw, you know, I mean, visions of kids playing outside Mm -hmm. and what our, what our life would look like in this home. And it seemed to kind of check those boxes that we were looking for. Um, So we came in and we decided to throw on a coat of paint. And from there, if there were other things that we wanted to do, Mm -hmm. we would do them as we lived there. Um, so we came in, the kids went to grandma's for a weekend. We started to throw a coat of paint on and we started to realize that there was more that needed to be done than we had, mm-hmm. you know, kind of originally mm-hmm. thought. And so, I mean, I think some of the weight of it started settling in there. Um, but then we moved in and there were a lot of really dreamy things that summer. Like I have pictures mm. of us playing out on this play set, mm. um, kicking around a soccer ball at twilight, sitting at mm. campfires, putting in our first garden. Um, but throughout the summer, we realized that whenever it would rain, we ended up with water in our basement. Mm. And so like not torrential rains, mm. not significant rain, but whenever it would rain, we ended up with water. And so, I mean, sometimes mm. inches at a time oh and realized we were in a mess and we needed to do something about it. So we called in a contractor and the bank and we started the process to see what it would be mm. to just resolve that problem. Mm. Um, and so we ended up deciding that we needed to lift the house and put in a new basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went with the contractor that the bank had used for the appraisal. Mm-hmm. And we ended up, it was it was one of the nightmarish mm-hmm. um, house construction situations that you don't think actually really happened to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we signed up for a six-week project and Todd's brother generously invited us to come live with their family of six. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) It was a lot of little people under Mm -hmm. one roof. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was six weeks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it wasn't, it was within our budget. It was, we were looking forward to it. Um, It didn't take long to realize that it wasn't going to be a six-week project. And um, we ended up with lots of contractor situations of asking for a little more money. And Mm -hmm. so we'd give the money to keep the project moving along. And then things would just stall out and it would be like a little more money to keep the project Mm -hmm. moving. And it would stall out again. And eventually the contractor just fell off the radar and we were left with our house literally up in the air um all of our things boxed up you know left there we left with duffel bags packed for Mm -hmm. six weeks Mm -hmm. um and so i think by the time that we had met when i was in mops um we were well into that process Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. we realized it wasn't going to be six weeks we ended up in a rental 
that was 900 square feet for the six of us, literally no basement. Wow. And so there were two bedrooms. We were sleeping on an air mattress in the living room. Wow. Um, and we we had no idea what this was mm-hmm. going to look at like. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, we just knew that we had started something and we felt that we needed to finish the process and see it through whatever that looked like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in the midst of that... Um, my husband had lost his job two mm-hmm. times, wow. um, not because he was a poor worker, but there were just downsizing of companies mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a lot of seniority. Um, and we, there were, Todd's dad had been walking through cancer multiple mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. And so there had been that through this process. Mm-hmm. We actually lost him too. Um, and there were just multiple other situations. At one point, his car finally gave out. We were driving around a little Dodge Neon (laughs) and it gave out. And this is like, I remember going in and taking it in and and it had like 225,000 miles on it. And they were like, these cars were made to (laughs) die at 120,000 miles. I don't know how it made it this far. Wow. And so, I mean, just that whole slew Mm -hmm. of you probably met us somewhere in the middle of that and the weightiness of not knowing how it was all going to end and uncertainty of facing bankruptcy, foreclosure, Mm -hmm. what felt like the loss of everything Mm -hmm. that we had kind of put our stock in or planned for. That is a lot. And it is so frustrating when it feels like one thing after another, you know, and Mm -hmm. so one of those things that you just mentioned, your father-in-law passing away or needing a new vehicle or Mm -hmm. losing job, you know, is enough, but you know, you have, you don't have home, you don't have place, you don't have that safe place to land at the end of the day with all that's going on. Um, Yeah. And I just, I remember your brokenness and your Mm -hmm. tears and just the heaviness that you, you know, carried around and the the hard questions that you were asking through tears about Mm -hmm. just God's goodness and care and, um, you know, feeling like things were falling apart all around you. Um, What do you think? I mean, all of those things, like I said, are hard, but what do Mm -hmm. you think was the hardest? Where were you lacking joy or what was robbing you of joy the most during that time? Um, so I, by nature, am very much a peacekeeper. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the things that was hardest at that point was being in a situation where it felt like somebody had kind of blatantly wronged us or stole this dream that we Mm -hmm. had really spent a lot of time, Mm -hmm. you know, in preparation for and planning for. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I remember it just felt really deeply personal. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Another thing that I think was really came um, to the front at that time was that I realized I had no framework for suffering Mm. Um, up until that point. Like I had lived a very comfortable, secure life. Mm -hmm. I mean, not perfect by any means. We had our own hard things even in growing up, but like things were pretty predictable. And Mm -hmm. so to come up to that and realize I was in a church where if you had trouble, you put a smile on your face and you came to church. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really discuss difficulty. And so to come to a point of realizing I, I didn't have any framework for that. Mm-hmm. I had very little to pull on. And so that was a time that that 
probably really developed in my heart too. Yeah. yeah. And I was especially thankful to be in a church that was addressing that and talking mm-hmm. about things mm-hmm. too at that point. Yeah. I think it is very typical in the Christian community as a whole, but mm-hmm. just in our world in general to avoid and to not want to have to lean in to these hard things. And like we have learned in grief too, if you're not prepared for these harder things, then you're you're grieving over the grief and like yeah. for you, you're suffering because you're suffering. You know, you, mm-hmm. you don't have a category. You're not prepared. And right. as people have kind of asked us, just what do you want to do, you know, in the future to help other grieving families? And I just always think, oh, I just want to help people before they hit that, yes. or, you know, or for you before you have to <clears throat> enter into a time of just everything falling apart and losing a lot of things yeah. like um, the preparation is what will help people so often be mm-hmm. able to get through things um, better. It doesn't take yes. the pain away. Um, but yeah, it, it alleviates some of the added um, weightiness of not expecting it or not feeling equipped yeah. to deal with it. Um, I didn't have obviously a podcast then and I wasn't really using the term fighting for joy, (laughs) but I remember people saying choose joy, you know, then and, um, you know, I'm just kind of wondering where you were at with that concept then, you know, um, were you able to try to find ways to, to, to have joy? Were you, were you leaning into some of the rejoicing in all circumstances or, or were you not even able to do that at that point? What did that look like for you, your fight for joy in the middle of this? If I look back, I i mean, if I'm being honest, I realized that there was not a lot of joy, mm-hmm. that it probably mm-hmm. all felt very heavy and very yeah. weighty. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think... I think there were things that were in process that I was fighting for that didn't have it that didn't immediately result in joy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the hope was that one day that we would feel joy mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. it was not happening in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I think it was fighting for truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I remember needing to remind myself because how quickly I forget right. God's goodness or his faithfulness to me before. And so um, I remember having a lot of mantras mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to have a phrase that I would say over and over and over again that I just needed to be reminded of. And even things as simple as reminding myself that God was always good before mm-hmm. and that that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. God's character hasn't changed. He is still good yeah. even in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember looking back at Joshua's story mm-hmm. and remembering that, you know, he makes the statement about that what you have meant for evil, mm-hmm. God has meant for good, that many would be saved. And to remember that, I mean, we were in a situation where it felt like there was evil action directed mm-hmm. at us. Mm-hmm. But I knew that God would be at work in that and that he would turn it for good. If I believe Romans eight twenty eight that he's working all things together for the good mm-hmm. of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, mm-hmm. that that includes like that really heavy place that we were in right then. Yeah. Um, I remember coming across Proverbs sixteen nine that says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes mm. his steps. Mm. So we had planned our way, but the, the steps that God was directing us through were not what we had planned. Mm. Um, there were so many other things. Um, and the, fighting for joy, I remember 
there was an album. We ended up at the Okavoji Bible Conference. Uh Yeah. (laughs) And two years in a row, they had the band I Am They play. Mm -hmm. And the Mm -hmm. first time we heard them, they were um, singing from their new album, Trial and Triumph. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember being there, we were in the thick of it and weeping Mm -hmm. because I am a words person. I love Mm -hmm. writing. I love reading. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I was at a loss for words, Mm -hmm. which was strange. It was a weird place to be. Um, And I remember them singing and just like it gave words to my grief and the things that I needed to say. And I also remember standing there the next year when things had come somewhat full circle and and standing on the other side and hearing them sing, look at how far we've come. Yeah. Yeah. And so music, worship, um, writing, I love to write. Wow. And I have to say, so those were my inward ways of mm-hmm. fighting for joy. That's mm-hmm. what we were doing and being proactive about. Um, but one of the things as I've thought about this that I realize is that we had a community that was fighting for joy for us as well. Mm, I love that. Um, so whether that was people who came alongside us mm-hmm. and ended up doing the work with us. Mm. Um, or people who brought us a meal, Mm -hmm. or who asked, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, I remember there was one of the times that Todd ended up without a job um, was right before Thanksgiving going into Christmas season, Mm -hmm. which felt extra devastating at that time of year. And I remember going to church, it wasn't even really I mean, out there, it wasn't a known thing. And somebody said, hey, come over. We have a turkey we're going to give to you. And we came over and they gave us a turkey and $50. And just to have people who would step in and just help us fight in whatever ways were within their Mm -hmm. means were Mm -hmm. really meaningful to us. Beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. And it's another example of you kind of need to build that community beforehand (laughs) and work on that beforehand. Not like, you know, waiting for everything to fall apart and then they're going to be there to help you. But just, you know, when you live life with others mm-hmm. intentionally, then yeah, you do have a whole community that can, um, can help and can, um, fight for joy for you yeah. and with you. That's beautiful. And I love the phrase you used to fighting for truth and all of the different ways that you looked for mm-hmm. that through music and through scripture. And the story of Joseph is, is a great example of just being reminded of what, what are good, really is yeah. I think we we get so stuck on that because we think how can this be good for me but yeah I mean God it does intend these things for our good and for mm-hmm. his glory even the the failure of a contractor to follow right. through on his word and I can imagine the injustice that you felt and just yes. the the way that you would take it personally um, because it is it's your it's your home mm-hmm. it's your family's um, you know, place. And so I, I get all of that, um, that you were saying, I guess let's go to the next part then. So where, what happened? So your house was up, Mm -hmm. um, literally in the air. I mean, was there a turning point, um, or when did things kind of start to look up or what was the next step in the process of finding, um, what God had for you as in regards to a home? Yeah. I mean, when we realized, uh, the seriousness of this of the situation and looked at options of bankruptcy and foreclosure. Um, it ended up being that we were in a situation where we felt like we just needed to see it through to the end. And what that looked like in that moment 
was that my husband was working a full-time job and as soon as he would get home he'd go out to the acreage Mm. and physically put in hours um and work there Mm. um and so we did months of that Mm. of the kids being like where's dad where's Mm -hmm. dad when Mm -hmm. is dad coming home Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think there were a couple of points where Actually, there were multiple points where I feel like God gave us moments of clarity mm-hmm. or illuminated certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, when um, I think when I started realizing that there was the process of letting go mm-hmm. was when we it came back around to we had been almost a whole year and it was time to start school again and we mm-hmm. were homeschoolers and so I was like well all of our homeschool stuff is up in boxes somewhere and mm-hmm. the kids need clothes and so we climbed up up a ladder through our basement into our home wow. um <laughs> I think I remember hearing you oh, talk it was about wild this. Yeah. it was wild um and ended up going up and opening up some boxes. And I opened up a box and my grandpa had passed away the year before. And on top of the box, I saw a Nebraska corn huskers jacket that he had given my husband. Mm. And I was like, oh, sweet memories. Mm-hmm. And I went and it was covered with, you know, dust after being in a box for a year. And I remember like flipping it out to kind of just shake it off. And there were things that flew out from it. And I it freaked me out at first. Um, it ended up being like a mouse had mm-hmm. made its nest mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. box, mm-hmm. which also contained really sweet mementos that we had made through homeschooling, my kids' mm-hmm. projects, memories that had just been destroyed by mice. Mm-hmm. And I remember going into the hall at that point and feeling like a depth of brokenness Mm -hmm. that I had not Mm -hmm. felt before. Mm -hmm. And I, if I'm being totally honest, like hit the walls and screamed, why God, why God? And with tears just flowing down my face. Um, Mm -hmm. But then like after that, like recognizing it's all just stuff. Mm -hmm. I had placed a lot of value on those things and they were precious and sweet and good. But, but I had given them probably too much weight. And Mm -hmm. so as we're going through things, it became another mantra. It's just stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just stuff. It's just stuff as we would come along and find things that had Mm -hmm. been destroyed. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, can I share a blog post? Yes, I love that. (laughs) I I love love to write. And I feel like those are probably the times when I Mm -hmm. maybe sat down and like, it was such a gift to write and to find clarity about things. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was this moment too when I started to be able to see the growth mm-hmm. that had happened through the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was about two years into the process. Um, I wrote, and then I broke. It was actually more peaceful than I expected. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I even knew just when it happened or even that it had. But as I stand here, as sure as the sun rises, it was clear that everything had changed. I had fought so long and hard to muster up the will to just keep on Mm. trudging along under the debilitating weight of it all. For months, dare I say years, I was angry Mm. at the situation at the people who I loved most. The hopelessness of the project and the endlessness of it all turned me into a person I didn't know. My everything had been sucked dry and in my honest moments, I wondered if I could ever be the same again. Truth be told, I knew that I couldn't be. I would never be her again. 
I will never, ever return to being that wonderfully oblivious person that I once was, Mm -hmm. the person who was a stranger to difficulty, who others would see as blessed, Mm -hmm. the woman who had never suffered grief or loss, the woman who woke up without a care in the world, who had such positive insight things to say whose faith was unwavering and untested Mm. gone i'd be lying if i said that i didn't expect her to be traded for a broken shell of a woman a mere Mm. shadow of what once was Mm. but i'm beginning to understand the truth of that exchange in our place i am actually beginning to see a deeply settled though still weighty person a woman who went through knowing depression agony bitterness and waves of loss who has more wisdom, more peace, more compassion, and more understanding. Like a tree that has been blown and tormented by raging winds, these roots have dug down deep, albeit through utter desperation to hold on. Hmm. As the smoke begins to clear, I can see the loving kindness of God. I can see the growth in me, in my family. I see the perseverance in character born out of tragedy and sleepless nights. Hmm. I can see that while we look around and see the ashes of our beautiful lives, that God brings beauty again. Hmm. And until the beauty begins to show through, he sustains us with hope. Wow. He breathes life into our dry bones and he raises them with purpose. These may sound like foolish words, especially since we are still in such an unsure place. And I say them cautiously, but I wouldn't trade what I know now for what I had then. My heart still aches and yearns for some form of certainty and security, but we have all been deeply changed by this process. Brokenness carries in itself some form of terrible, beautiful irony. There is pain and a hopelessness and a falling apart, but there is also a freedom in being absolutely shattered. Hmm. When embraced, these knowing cracks and broken pieces are an intricate story a story that radiates beauty and hope and glorious light. It is a story that resonates with a broken, hurting world. God has always been good, and even in trial and disaster, that has never changed. Wow. So, wow. That was a definite turning moment. beautiful summary. Thank you. Of the light starting to come and shine through the utter despair and brokenness and devastation. That's beautiful. First of all, is your blog still, are you still writing? <laughs> I'm not still writing. Oh my word. Okay. I'm just reminded I need to go back and read some of those. That is so beautiful, Anna. No, so. the last one I wrote was probably, I mean, we had ended up on another acreage. There's so much to this story. Mm-hmm. There are so many parts mm-hmm. of um, that bring us to where we are now. Yeah. Um, and it felt for a while foolish to write because Mm. we had made such a big deal probably about what Mm. this dream was going to be and what Mm. it was going to look like and then it didn't end up being that at all Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so but going back and reading I realized that was really a gift and I need to go back and such a gift I think for you in the middle of that to have an outlet like that too Mm -hmm. and then to just document it it's kind of you know again a reminder of where you were yeah and absolutely um, and I just love to just hearing your hope. It's like a defiant hope. Like that's mm-hmm. what I kept hearing as you mm-hmm. were reading. It's like, I don't want to almost have hope, but I'm going to have hope. And mm-hmm. I don't know if hope is possible, but it is. And that's just, I mean, that is the power yeah. of Christ in us to be able to proclaim some of the things that that's you right. just read in there and what our faith gives us that 
you know, it is possible to go through it in a situation like that um, without the Lord. It is possible. People do hard things all the time without the Lord, but um, the, the, uh, the joy and the hope that can come from our faith in the midst Mm -hmm. of hard things um, is so, it's just supernatural. Like I just kept thinking like, it's miraculous that you were able to say some of those things. Like you didn't get the miracle of your house, um, you know, everything working out perfectly on that Mm -hmm. acreage. Um, that wasn't what you, but you got the miracle of, of joy and, and restoring, um, peace and, and hope and all the things that were able to come as a result of that. And, um, I think too, that's the blessing of, God giving us in his word examples of people being angry um, and still believing, you know, being upset and, and hurt and mad and still Mm -hmm. um, plugging along in faith and trust and hope and, um, and looking to the Lord in the midst of all of that. And I, I love too, that you touched on the fact that you are different because I think Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, we miss out on something if we don't allow these hard things to change us a little bit. And, you know, even, you know, our daughter got married a year ago. And one of the things we were talking about with them is, you know, you don't want to marry somebody because of exactly who they are in the moment, because Mm. they won't be that same person. I'm not the same person Eric married. Um, And I don't want to be the same person I was at 23 years old. You know, we grow and we, we change both through beautiful, wonderful things Mm -hmm. and also through difficult, challenging things. And, um, you know, to allow the Lord to shape us and to chisel us and to put us into that refiner's fire. It's, yes. it's painful and it's mm-hmm. hard, but, um, that surrendering and that letting go and, um, it can really produce such beautiful things. Yeah. Well, you touch, I, the next question I was going to ask <laughs> is just really like, what have you learned? You know, because I think that so often God uses mm-hmm. hard things to teach us the best things. Um, so I don't know if you have anything to add on that in just regards to, you know, what you, what you learned from that time. And and I would love to talk to Todd sometime too. (laughs) Like I'm sure he learned a whole bunch of things too, just by watching you, but also what he had to endure and then your kids too. But, um, yeah. Was there anything else that just kind of jumps out at you in regards to what you learned about God or yourself or just what this life is all about? So I think there are probably a couple of things that come to the front. One is, through the process of all of this, in the beginning, I think we were very much seeking some solitude. Mm-hmm. And through the full process of it, we mm-hmm. ended up on the acreage in town, on another acreage, and then ended up back in town. Like God had changed our hearts and mm-hmm. our desires. Mm-hmm. So things that we would have placed a lot of value on at the beginning mm-hmm. had totally shifted mm-hmm. by the end. By mm-hmm. the end, we're desiring to be in community, to have kids mm-hmm. show up on our front door step and consider that a mission field to be a part of a neighborhood and just seeing the eternal Mm -hmm. good of that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so it's wild just to think about how our hearts had changed through that Mm -hmm. um I also think that I a lot of worship songs have looking forward to the day when Christ will return, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think that I was able to fully or rightly understood that until, Mm -hmm. understand that until after we had some, some difficulty under our belts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, so to come to a part where, a point where I realize 
and have felt the brokenness of this world, mm-hmm. the, you know, wrestled with hopelessness mm-hmm. and feeling the weight of what that all looks like. Yeah. I feel like now I have, when we sing those, those parts of those songs, mm-hmm. And looking forward to and talking about the day that God will make all things right again, that there will be no more weeping or suffering or sadness or brokenness, no more death, that that I feel like I have a longing yeah. that I didn't yeah. have before. And, and not just a longing like, oh, I'm sick of this world. I want to be there. Mm-hmm. But one that says, even though that we're in the middle of this and this is what this world is, I can look forward to and have hope knowing that this is not where my hope stands. Yes. There is more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, it's not the end of the story. There is a lot of hope in that. And like you said too, just being open to what God has, that is, that is something definitely to learn and to take away from really, um, hard things like this too, is just to be reminded of God, um, continually changing us and growing Mm -hmm. us and shaping us and being open to that. And, you know, this may be our dream here or, um, you know, I mean, I've, I've felt like that too. Like, I mean, when I look at our family picture and there's only, you know, three kiddos yeah. there, it's like, well, that wasn't my dream. Right. You know, I, I, I had a dream of two boys, two girls and watching them all grow, you know, and have their own families and, yeah. you know, but you just, yeah, there is, um, there's peace and there's joy in the surrender and you can still say, I hate this and uh-huh. I hate that. And I yes. don't, I mean, this isn't what I wanted, but for the shift that you experienced to be able to say like, now I want to be in town. I want to have people coming mm-hmm. over and kids coming over and popping in. And that's a huge shift. Yeah. Because, um, you know, that's a big contrast yeah. between desiring that kind of dream out in the acreage versus what you mm-hmm. um, are surrendering to God having. Right. And, you know, I think for both of us, you and me, um, home is just an important mm-hmm. place. And that isn't true for everybody. Um, you know, and it's not about the house. It's about the work that we we do to create um inside of the house Mm -hmm. and you know it's not it's not the same for everybody I even have really good friends who um their home is not their favorite place to be I mean Mm -hmm. they travel is important to Mm -hmm. them or they're just working hard so that they can have money to go and do things and be out and about but I'm pretty passionate about home I love Uh being home and um I love being generous with our home and, and you know um I've just, I feel like I've worked hard to create a peaceful place and a warm, inviting, um, safe space, not just for our family, um, for our family, but not just for our Mm -hmm. family, but for others too. And um, how has that played in for you? I mean, do you think that that's where some of the the dreams crashing and the the struggle and the anger and the frustration kind of, does that point back to that for you as well that you just... Because sometimes I think we think, you know, it's it's like, this is a good dream. This mm-hmm. is a good dream. Right. This is not a bad dream. It's not yeah. a, anything. So why is God not giving me this dream? But do you feel like your desire to kind of build and create a special place for your family was part of why it was so hard on you? Yeah. I mean, I think that that it probably kind of exemplified like, oh, how do I say this? <laughs> Um, I mean, the acreage was, was, you know, the physical representation of what, yes, what we had hoped for our family, Mm -hmm. like to have a peaceful, quiet, safe Mm -hmm. place, Mm -hmm. a place that was a retreat, like recognizing how quickly things were happening Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. the pace that the world around us moves to have a place that was safe and Mm -hmm. 
secure and home and comfortable mm-hmm. and where we mm-hmm. could just come and belong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And none of that was there. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely. Did it feel like, was there a control factor in there? For oh, you absolutely. Too? Like I, then yes. I control my kids and when I, yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that as our kids get older mm-hmm. too, and as life happens and hard things happen, we continue to yeah. remember we don't have as much control right. as we think we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where do you think, um, you know, as, is there something when you were looking for the acreage other than just the space and the privacy and the kind of the, as you've been looking for future homes now, and as you've settled mm-hmm. to where you are now, what, what kind of elements of home are important to you? What were you looking for? Cause we should probably jump to the end of this chapter and tell people, I mean, you are in a new beautiful home <laughs> yes, now. We are. So you're in town, yeah. it's a new construction home. Yep. Um, what was something, you know, about the second acreage maybe, or about this home or what were you specifically looking for as God continued to shift uh, in you um, a desire for what's really important yeah. and where he had you? Well, I mean, as far as the second acreage goes, I feel like that was grasping back at something that felt like we had been robbed the mm-hmm, opportunity mm-hmm, to enjoy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then to go there and um, I think that's when God really shed light on the fact that that our desires had changed, that Mm -hmm. he had kind of directed our lives in Mm -hmm. a different way. Yeah. Um, So then we looked for homes in town Mm -hmm. and couldn't find anything that necessarily fit what we were looking for because Jody, I'm very much like you. Mm -hmm. I -hmm. want to have a place that feels cozy and warm and wonderful Mm -hmm. for my family where we can have Mm -hmm. that sense of belonging and together. And this is our home and this is what we do. This is who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But also like it is so important to us to have a place um, where people can come and that it benefits other people too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes people like to throw it back in my face and joke with me about it, but I've always said like, I just want you to land on my doorstep, just land on my doorstep. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. people do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we looked for, I mean, we had the benefit of designing our home mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. every step of that was considering my family, but also considering how can we gather here? Mm-hmm. How can people come in and feel at rest here too and know that there's room for them and we want them here yeah. all the way from coming in our entry, there's room to take off your shoes and hang your coats mm-hmm. to having a place where we can set tables Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. just be able to welcome in basically whoever walks in our front door. Mm -hmm. I love that. That is beautiful. And that's one of the things I want to talk about next is just your, um, your gift at hospitality. You know, I think that, um, so many people are paralyzed Mm -hmm. by hospitality because they've bought into the lie that everything has to be quote unquote perfect. And spoiler alert, I mean, there's no such thing (laughs) as perfect and people don't want perfect. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't want perfect. They want real and comfortable and inviting and welcoming kind of like what you were talking about. And and really people just want to be invited over. Mm -hmm. That's what they want. And so, you know, somehow though, our Instagram culture has really made hospitality more about the hostess and the house and the decor mm-hmm. and even the way we display our food. Yeah. And um, that has become so much more important than the people that we invite over. And there's a great quote that says um, something like, host in such a way that people leave your home feeling seen and listened to yeah. and loved on, not more impressed with you mm, or your house. That's good. And I love that reminder. Yeah. It's the idea of, you know, if you're looking for real connection or community, Having people in your home, as our pastor says, shouldn't be a, hey, look at me situation. It should be a, oh, there you are. Mm -hmm. Come in. 
kind of situation. Yeah. And so you do an amazing job of embodying this, of not overthinking hospitality and having people into your home. So you call um, the the first Friday mm-hmm. of the month, your first Fridays. Yep. Um, tell us a little bit about what that looks like, kind of how these evenings of gathering friends together in your home got started and give us a little glimpse into what a night like that looks like. Yeah. Um, I love to share about first Friday and yeah. just to back it up a little bit. Um, first Friday was born out of loneliness. Mm. Honestly, yeah. um, it, it goes back mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Um, but we realized if we were feeling lonely, then there were probably other mm-hmm. people who were feeling lonely as well. Yeah. And so we had a need for connection and we just decided to make a space for other people who felt a need for connection too. And so, I mean, it originally started with just throwing up a a post on Facebook, open invite, Mm -hmm. we're having dinner, you're free to come, I'm making burgers, you bring sides, we'll chat and play games. I mean, what did that feel like to post that though? Weren't you like, I mean, it, was, it felt very, come? it felt very vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, either people For would sure. show up or we'd be sitting by ourselves right? and, and realize, oh, maybe we are the only ones that are lonely, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but it didn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, there mm-hmm. are times that our gathering has been very small, just our family and maybe another couple or two or one mm-hmm. other family. Mm-hmm. And there are times that we haven't all fit in a home and had numbers wow. of even 40 or more. Wow which can feel like chaos. Um, but it's, it's been really precious. And Mm -hmm. so a glance at that night is honestly, yes, I, I love to have my house completely in order and get Mm -hmm. it all cleaned up Mm -hmm. and have people in. It feels good. Right. Right. Um, but sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes people show up while I'm still trying to get the food mm-hmm. finished. Mm-hmm. Um, but we come in and we have had such good times of adults and children and mm-hmm. and older people all coming and having a place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do. We eat together. I love mm-hmm. to eat with people. Mm-hmm. I feel like sitting around a table and eating and having conversation mm-hmm. has a lot of value. Mm-hmm, um, sure. And we have had so much fun pulling out board games and Mm -hmm. playing board games I think board games were the go-to at the beginning because Mm -hmm. because there is a lot of weight to knowing you're gonna be keeping up conversations even right and I'm kind of an introvert Mm -hmm. I'm quiet Mm -hmm. just by nature and so to have that to fall back on to make it just easy Mm -hmm. and it has Mm -hmm. been and I will say that even just in the last six months Todd and I have had conversations and Mm -hmm. friendships have been hard Mm -hmm. friendships Mm -hmm. are hard they are hard and so like just recently we've been like oh my goodness we have friends like Mm. I feel like we have this solid community that we keep showing up for each other and conversations have gotten deeper and Mm -hmm. um so there's a lot to look forward to with that the other thing that's been really cool about first Fridays is that Um, my kids Mm -hmm. have really grasped onto that. Mm -hmm. I've always felt the desire to have lots of great family traditions Mm -hmm. and I feel like I've failed miserably. (laughs) Um, but I realize, like even my my oldest in February when it came time for her birthday, what did she want to do? She wanted mm. to have a first Friday with the youth oh, group. Oh, I love that. Oh, I and love that. So yeah, so it's something we all look forward to, yeah. and they've talked about carrying that on into their adulthood. Yeah. So the fact yeah. that it's become a part of our family culture has been a really cool thing too. I love that. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think a big part of why Eric and I love having people in our homes is because both of our parents did that growing up. Mm. Both of our homes were 
homes where a lot of people gathered and a lot of people came. And so, yeah, I mean, and kids do love to entertain. I mean, mm-hmm. I, they really are happy. I feel like when, when people come into your home and yeah. especially if there's games and fun things, mm-hmm. food. And yep. so at the end of the night, when you're kind of cleaning up and you're putting everything away, like <laughs> what, what makes you feel like that was a great evening? Like what element, um, brings you the most joy yeah. maybe even? Yeah. Um, it's funny, as I was thinking about this, I thought by the end of the night, I am always completely exhausted. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. takes oh, a, sure. it, it takes a lot of like physical yeah. and emotional energy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm pretty depleted by the end of the night. But but when we sit down after, it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. knowing that we've mm-hmm. been able to make space for mm-hmm. others mm-hmm. and to ha- come and to pour into their lives and for them mm-hmm. to pour into us. Yeah. Um, I, I just, we really strongly believe that we were made for community mm-hmm. and to be alone and isolated mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. not good. Yeah. And so even though it's hard and it takes effort and it requires something of us, it is so worth putting in the time and the effort to build community. Yeah, it is. To show up. Yeah. And I'm just, I am so encouraged that you do this, Anna. So thank you for sharing that. And every time that I see you post that on Facebook, I'm like, wow, she's (laughs) really putting that on Facebook for anybody who wants to. Yes. And it's a lot of the times it's the same people that show up. We do have a core that shows up every, every month, but there are times when random people will come come over yeah. and show up for it or my daughter it. will invite her five friends and mm-hmm. they'll all come mm-hmm. too so yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome and you're right we are created to be in community mm-hmm. and um, it is a great tool to help us fight for joy if we can continue to invest in friendships yeah. and let people into our lives and to you know be in, involved in other people's lives and just live life together in community mm-hmm. I love that Well, the last topic I just want to talk to you about um, is music and about your role as the music director at our church. And, um, you know, almost four years ago, our family returned to the church where both Mm -hmm. of our families go now. We had gone for a little while to help get a little church plant started. But when we came back, I will just never forget, like, almost being shocked when I saw you by your (laughs) transformation. Like, I just couldn't believe the bright, smiling Mm woman leading worship was the same person that used to cry through every mops meeting. I mean, you literally look different and you look just so full of hope. And it was just a huge encouragement for Mm -hmm. me to see you up there leading and serving in the church in such a a beautiful way. And I'm sure four years ago when I saw you again, you know, you weren't fixed or healed or, you know, have all of this behind you, but you were clearly finding joy by serving and leading and helping others uh, worship and sing their faith. So Tell us a little bit about um, your role and how music and leading music um, has helped your fight for joy. Yes. Um, I mean, music has always probably resonated really deeply with me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's always been an important part of my life. Did you grow up doing band or yes, choir? Yes, yeah. I was in uh-huh. band and uh-huh. choir, and yeah. I helped lead music at our church that I grew up in. Even from the time I was probably like 13, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. getting to serve in that way. Yeah. So that has been a consistent part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, the things that I love about music are that, like, I know that I can read something good or have a good conversation mm-hmm. and have like a light bulb moment, but it's so easy to walk away and kind of Mm -hmm. forget what was said or what I read. Mm -hmm. But I've always loved about music that once you put some, a solid truth to music and sing it a few times, it sticks with you and it tends to come back when you need it. Mm. Um, so I, I love that music worship in particular. 
um, helps scripture and the mm-hmm. truth that I needed to be reminded of mm-hmm. just dwell richly mm-hmm. in me. I think of Colossians three sixteen that says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching mm-hmm. and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs mm-hmm. with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So I would say, like, I mean, music has been a constant reminder mm-hmm. of being able to, um, I guess, just put words to things that mm-hmm. I needed to say. They give mm-hmm. me, it gives me words. It brings mm-hmm. things to mind. It helps me hold on to these truths. Yeah. And so to be able to have that for myself is wonderful, but then to be able to share it with others. It's yeah. Yeah. Even better. What, what's one of your favorite parts of leading? Is it creating the set list? Is it thinking through the oh. songs or is it more of like seeing it actually all happen on a Sunday morning? Okay. So our <laughs> church sings and it is a beautiful yes. thing. Yes. Um, so I mean, the best part is probably when you know, through the week, you do all the hard work mm-hmm. of the planning mm-hmm. and the thinking through the songs, which I love. I do mm-hmm. love digging mm-hmm. for songs that are going to give us good, solid truth yeah. and putting them together and being creative, like mm-hmm. finding ties between mm-hmm. songs mm-hmm. Um, is like, that's all a part of the creative process. And mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. But there is nothing like mm-hmm. standing with mm-hmm. the church body together, singing our hearts out and being able to look out and see people responding and to hear voices and just to have like it's it's such a small foretaste of what heaven will be like but it gives you just enough that Mm -hmm. that I Mm -hmm. it just it's a beautiful thing I so look forward to the day when we will do that me too and I do love hearing our church sing I mean people just amazing sing yes (laughs) is there a favorite song right now that you are loving to lead um the, the people to sing that's a great question yeah um, we sing a lot of really good songs. We do. We do. <laughs> I know. I know. And will you be switching into Christmas? Yeah. Into, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Actually, I as we're recording this, mm-hmm. yeah. this is, it's the first week of Advent. Mm-hmm. We, it, we, even at, um, we've been doing our Advent Hope Candle all week long. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. this week we will be singing um, songs like I Will Wait For You, mm-hmm. um, Psalm 130 by Sheen and mm-hmm. Sheen. Mm-hmm. And um and we're going to be learning a new song. And so, hmm. yeah. Yeah. I don't remember where it. we started with that. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just wondering about favorite songs or Christmas songs. Yeah. Or just, yeah. So this week we're going to be singing, I Will Wait For You. Yeah. And you, and yeah. that's one that even as we've, I've been thinking about coming mm-hmm. and talking to you. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about this mm-hmm. focus of hope all week long mm-hmm. and looking forward to our Savior coming. Yeah. Yeah. That that one is I mean, that's going to be a really fun one to sing on Sunday. I'm really looking forward to singing that. Yeah, me too. And you are so right about just the power of music. I mean, it can comfort us. It can inspire us. It Mm -hmm. can make us smile and proclaim, you know, the excitement of things to come. But it can also make us weep and realize Mm -hmm. how, you know, kind of the lament part of of some songs too, um, just how heavy things can be. Um, but it, yeah, it's so powerful. And I know I text you, you know, how encouraged I am by your leadership at church, but I just want to say it publicly too, because mm-hmm. I'm just so blessed and our family is so blessed by the way that you serve the body of Christ like you do. And I just look forward to our time of singing every Sunday and I appreciate your song selection and Praise your God. musical Thank style you. and just your quiet, humble leadership. I love it. You do an amazing job of making sure that people are not distracted or Mm. hindered from focusing on the truths of the song, kind of back to fighting for truth, you know, and just um, remembering 
why we're singing and who we're singing to. Yeah, that's super humbling. Thank you. Yeah, well, as we kind of wrap up and close, I just, I was wondering what you would like to leave my listeners with, Um, you know, maybe something that has you've been thinking on or something you'd want to say to somebody who is in a hard place right now. Maybe they're... um, quote unquote houses up on you know <laughs> up in the air right now um their world is feeling like it's falling apart I would just love for you to kind of bring our conversation to an end by sharing something that's um been helping your fight for joy yeah um just knowing that we were coming into this and having the theme of worship in mind as well um it was really encouraging to kind of go through my song binder even mm-hmm. to look over it again this yeah. morning. And yeah. so can I just share yeah. some lyrics Please because do. those things are the Please things that do. I've come back yeah. to and have been really meaningful. And you said the word lament. Mm-hmm. And so these songs a lot of them have to do with lament. Mm-hmm. Um so the idea that we can pour our hearts out to God honestly and mm-hmm. to be raw about it and mm-hmm. that's good and okay. Mm-hmm. But to know that when we're doing that it doesn't end at it's it's not left right there mm-hmm. in the sadness in mm-hmm. the sorrow mm-hmm. but that we always raise our hope to look mm-hmm. to Jesus we fix our eyes even in the middle of the mess and mm-hmm. the pain mm-hmm. um so i just i grabbed a few yeah, please do. lyrics yeah. here that i would love to share so we talked about i will wait for you psalm 30 mm-hmm. or psalm 130 and it says out of the depths i cry to you in darkest places i will call incline your ear to me anew and hear my cry for mercy lord and then here mm-hmm. is the fixing our eyes so put your hope in god alone take mm-hmm. courage in his power to save completely and forevermore by Christ emerging from the grave. Mm. Another verse is from Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me mm-hmm. is another song mm-hmm. that I love. Um, it says, The night is dark, but I'm not forsaken. For by our side, for by my side, the Savior, he will mm-hmm. stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need his power is displayed. To this I hold. My hope is only earth. Sorry. To this I hold, my shepherd will defend Mm. me through Mm. the deepest valley he will lead. Mm. Oh, the night has been won and I shall overcome, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Mm. My worth is not in what I own, declares I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Mm. him no other. My soul is satisfied in him alone. Mm. I have a couple more. Yeah, keep going. Uh, yeah. Christ, our hope in life and death says, and this is one I can hardly, we get to the end and it just chokes me up every time mm-hmm. because emotions are still real mm-hmm. and raw. And I remember, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what truth can calm the troubled soul? Mm. God is good. Mm. God is good. Where is his grace and goodness known mm. in our great Redeemer's blood? Mm. Who holds our faith when fears arise? Who stands above the stormy trial? Who sends the waves that bring us nigh unto the shore, Mm. the rock of Christ? Mm. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. Mm. A Mm. more familiar one, and Christ alone says, no guilt in life, no fear in death. Mm. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands Mm. my destiny. Mm. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Mm. Here in the power of Christ I stand. Mm. 
And in wow. it as well, mm-hmm. this is one that needs, a, we need to talk about this word more. Yeah. It says, though Satan should buffet. And I know we look at Buffett and we think of buffet and Mm -hmm. food, Um, but I looked at the definition and it's so good. You have to scroll down several entries for it, (laughs) but it says, okay, so though Satan should buffet, especially of wind or waves, strike repeatedly and violently Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. batter, to knock someone over or off course. Wow of misfortunes or difficulties to afflict or to harm someone repeatedly over a long period. So though Satan should buffet. Wow. wow. A whole we new level of meaning, like, right? Yes. yes. Though Satan should buffet. Mm-hmm. Though trials should come. Mm-hmm. Let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own mm-hmm. blood for my soul. Mm-hmm. So these are just some clips of songs yeah. that bring yeah. us through the lament or that fix our eyes mm-hmm. on the hope that is there and that is sure and yeah. steadfast and constant. Yeah, they sure it's do. It's good to sing. It is good. And it's good to read them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we hear them differently when we sing them, when we when we hear somebody else read them, when we you know read them quietly, when we speak them aloud. Yeah. There's just power in yes. these words. and. Um, and I would also say, you know, when you're going through something hard, these words can feel super costly to sing mm-hmm. too, because even the Satan, those Satan should buff it. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're in the pew at a church and you're like, uh-huh, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> I mean, that's very hard to just lightheartedly sing like sometimes we do. It's a right. heavy thing to sing yeah. these words. I, even the line um, about just from life's first cry to final breath. I yeah. Mean, when you have seen somebody you love, you know, take their final breath, that's really hard yeah. to sing and be like, okay, he commands my destiny yeah. from beginning to end. It's it, these, these words are just, they're so powerful and we need to keep singing them, um, for our own joy, for, for the joy and strength yeah. of other people. But they are costly when you're mm-hmm. going through hard things, but when you're kind of a little bit removed from them, um, and then you kind of, they help you look back and remember yeah. it's, they're so um, life giving. It's rich. It's rich. Mm-hmm. Super, super rich. I love, I love all of those that you shared. Thank yeah. you so much. Um, yeah. Anything else you wanted to say before I wrap it up? I mean, I have so many things I could say, but <laughs> I think that pretty much. Okay. Well, yeah. it's been so good. I was so happy when you said yes to doing mm-hmm. this with me. Thank you, Anna. And I just, you know, I've mentioned in the first episode of this this season, and I will continue to talk about it here in season five, but there is power in our stories and yeah. in sharing our stories and, um, you know, pointing to the one who yeah. is writing our stories. Yes. And so as we share and remember and tell others about what we have learned, we become conveyors of hope. And that's what I've seen in you, Anna. Yes. Um, you are carrying and transporting your hope and your joy mm-hmm. To those around you as you lead on Sundays, as you invite people into your home on your first Fridays and and today on the podcast as you share some harder parts of your story um, to share the hope of the transforming power of our big God. So thank you for being here and (laughs) sharing. Thank you for having me. A liturgy for the death of a dream from every moment holy. Oh Christ and whom the final fulfillment of all hope is held secure. I bring to you now the weathered fragments of my former dreams, the broken pieces of my expectations, the rent patches of hope worn thin, the shards of some shattered image of life as I once thought it would be. What I so wanted has not come to pass. 
I invested my hopes in desires that returned only sorrow and frustration. Those dreams, like glimmering fairy feasts, could not sustain me. And in my head, I knew that you are sovereign even over this, over my tears, my confusion, and my disappointment. But I still feel in this moment as if I have been abandoned, as if you do not care that these hopes have collapsed into rubble. And yet I know that this is not so. You are the sovereign of my sorrow. You apprehend a wider sweep with wiser eyes than mine. My history bears the fingerprints of grace. You were always faithful, though I could not always trace quick evidence of your presence in my pain. Yet did you remain at work, lurking in the wings, sifting all my splinterings for bright embers that might be breathed into more eternal dreams. I have seen so oft in retrospect how you had not neglected me, but had, with a master's care, flared my desire like silver in a crucible to burn away some lesser longing and bring about your better vision. So let me remain tender now to how you would teach me. My disappointments reveal so much about my own agenda for my life and the ways I quietly demand that it should play out free of conflict, free of pain, free of want. My dreams are so small. Your bigger purpose has always been for my greatest good, that I would day to day be fashioned into a more fit vessel for the indwelling of your spirit and molded into a more compassionate emissary of your coming kingdom. And you in love will use all means to shape my heart into those perfect forms. So let this disappointment do its work. My truest hopes have never failed. They have been merely buried beneath the shoveled muck of disillusion or encased in a carapace of self-serving desire. It is only false hopes that are brittle, shattering like shells of thin glass to reveal the diamond hardness of the unshakable eternal hopes within. So shake and shatter all that would hinder my growth, O oh God. Unmask all false hopes that my one true hope might shine out unclouded and undimmed. So let me be tutored by this new disappointment. Let me listen to its holy whisper that I might release at last these lesser dreams, that I might embrace the better dreams you dream for me and for your people and for your kingdom and for your creation. Let me join myself to these, investing all hope in the one that will never come undone or betray those who place their trust in it. Teach me to hope, O oh Lord, always and only in you. You are the king of my collapse. You answer not what I demand, but what I do not even know to ask. Now take this dream, this husk, this chaff of my desire and give it back reformed and remade according to your better vision or do not give it back to me at all. Here in the ruins of my wrecked expectation, let me make this best confession. Not my dreams, O Lord, not my dreams, but yours be done. Amen. 
Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.